their finishes was Fields, the sixth best, T-Law, the eighth overall, and Herbert, one of the biggest disappointments last year, finished as a QB 11 on the year. Start, sit, trade. The Wag Me Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by Colin Garini and Nick Musto. Long time no see, my friend. Yeah, how was uh, how was your vacation? Phenomenal. I left a uh, liver and a kidney in Nashville for my 21st birthday, but no, couldn't have been better. Uh, united my family with friends there, friends from school, and uh, everybody loved each other. Feeling like a blessed man today. It's not a trip to Nashville if you come back with all of your organs. Yeah, I mean, the black market's real down there. They uh, mm-hmm. They sell anything on the streets there. How about um I want to say my condolences to you first of all. Um I know game 7 was rough. Agonizing to be a Seas fan right now. Celtics came back from 3-0 to force a game 7 and unfortunately I saw that game on TV it didn't fare well. You know what it was? It was Jason Tatum spraining his ankle on the first play of the game. Like without him creating opportunities like driving and kicking it out. Like our offense is completely different. I saw Jalen Brown turn the ball over a thousand times. Yeah, he had more turnovers than made baskets. Hey, superstar. Mm -hmm. All right, let's jump into it. Let's get down to business today. We're going to have a nice little game show just because uh, we had a short week to prepare with the holiday weekend. So we thought we'd do something fun for ourselves and for you. First, we'll go through some start-sit trades. So we're going to list three players off. We're going to provide their ADPs, where they're being drafted, how they finished last year. And Nick or I is going to answer who we're starting, who we're sitting, and who we're trading off our team out of that trio. And then we'll jump into some fun trivia with a little bit of meaning behind it. Are you ready, Nick? I am ready. All right. I got three running backs for you. Travis Etienne, Ken Walker. Aaron Jones, start, sit, trade. Their ADPs, ETN's going the highest as the RB12, Walker, RB14, Aaron Jones, RB16. And it's the opposite order for their finishes last year. Jones was the RB9 on the year, Walker the 16th best, ETN the 17th best. Start, sit, trade, ETN, Walker, Jones, go. I'm going to start Ken Walker sit Aaron Jones and trade ETN. I've never been high on ETN and I'm worried with bringing Calvin Ridley in Trevor Lawrence, taking a step forward last year. I think he's going to get even better this year. I'm worried that this offense is going to be really pass heavy and ETN doesn't profile as a goal line kind of guy, which hurts his upside. So that could be someone else's role. He could be an in between the twenties running back. I'm just not a big, and he let he's injury prone. He hurt his foot again last year. That's why he missed his whole rookie season. I'm 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 trading ETN, yeah, I think. Interesting, because he's going the highest in drafts. Um, I know there's some some pressure from Tank Bigsby being drafted, yeah. and then they have a couple other backups, which Michael Hasty. I'd like to point out that ETN wasn't the most efficient. Um, actually, he had a very high yards per carry mark, but when he actually started getting fed towards the stretch of the season after the James Robinson trade, he struggled to produce like we were hoping. So uh, interesting. He's not take. The ball. Yeah. Yep. And he's um, not utilized in the red zone a whole lot yeah. either. Yeah. All so right. 
just based on that, the other two guys. Um, all right, I'm going to give you a quarterback one here. Start with Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott, Jared Goff. Um, ADPs right now, Dak and Kirk are early sixth round. Goff is in the eighth round. And Kirk finishes the QB7 last year. Golf is the QB10. And I, I didn't write Dak's finish here because it kind of scratched that. And he played half the season. That's a doozy. I think I'm going to start Dak Prescott because he he has some sort of upside with his legs. We haven't really seen him produce on the ground like he did his rookie year when he entered the league. Um, but I'm still going to start him. I think he's got the most upside. Oh, the, the NFC North quarterbacks are actually pretty mm-hmm. difficult. For I know. Me. <laughs> I really love Jared Goff, um, but without Jamison Williams to start the season, I'm probably going to trade away Jared Goff and sit Kirk Cousins on my bench because I know Kirk is going to produce another QB1 season. I mean, he he did it last year with Thielen as a second option, and they found an excellent replacement for him uh, with the rookie Jordan Addison. TJ Hawkinson forms a lethal trio with, of course, Justin Jefferson. I really like Minnesota's offense, really like Detroit's offense, but that's what I'm doing. Starting Prescott, sitting Kirk, trading away golf. See, I'm not going to go into my reasoning, but I'm trading Dak in this situation. I don't like the way things are going for that passing offense. Other than yeah, it is it. It is going to slow down, but I still think they're they produce as a top five unit each of the past two years. I think they're going to yeah. remain in the top twenty five percent of the league. I hope so. I'm glad you picked that quarterback trio because one, it's interesting. They're they're compelling, and two, I picked a trio of quarterbacks right in the same ADP range, um, but none of which are those guys. So start, sit, trade. Justin Fields, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence. Right now, they're being drafted in that order. Field six, Herbert seven, T-Law eight. Last yeah. year, their finishes was Fields the sixth best, T-Law the eighth overall, and Herbert, one of the biggest disappointments last year, finished as a QB 11 on the year. Start, sit, trade. I, I'm i going to go back my word here. In our mock draft, we did, I picked Justin Fields over Justin Herbert, and I regret that. I think Herbert's being criminally underrated right now so i'm starting herbert i'm sitting fields and i'm gonna trade uh t-law is t-law has a kellen moore the biggest biggest uh, upside to herbert we saw herbert have a 5038 touchdown season like he he can have the best season in the nfl and now he's got an insane offensive coordinator with great weapons justin fields can get it done on the ground T-Law just doesn't have the upside that those two guys have, so T-Law is getting traded. Trevor Lawrence, I think, had five rushing touchdowns last year and maybe – One yard or so. Three – goal line. 300 rushing yards. I want to I double-check that real quick. Him um, and Herbert have similar rushing upside, I think. Yes. Herbert, yeah. his, his rookie year, had posted similar statistics compared yeah. to Trevor Lawrence did um, on the ground. And I okay. Herbert's arm a little more, so that's that's my reasoning. Turn it around to me. Let's see what you got. Yeah, I like this receiver one. I, I have trouble picking it. So I have Chris Olave, Calvin Ridley, Amari Cooper. All three are round four picks, kind of in the middle there, like from pick four to pick ten. Like, they're all grouped similarly. Um, start, sit, trade. Chris Olave, Calvin Ridley, Amari Cooper. Man, this one sucks. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, 
Okay, so I'm I'm just jumping on the bandwagon. I'm gonna do it. I'm starting Calvin Ridley. I think he's gonna be really consistent. I mean, if he's getting seven targets a game, which Zay Jones average, seven targets for Calvin Ridley is gonna result in a top twelve season. Um, as for the other two, Olave and Amari Cooper, they're super difficult to separate. However, I'm probably going to sit Chris Olave just because he has less competition through the passing game. New Orleans doesn't really have a whole. Well, I mean, they have Michael Thomas, but we can't really count on him to be on the field. Couple tight ends that I'm not scared of siphoning away targets, whereas Amari Cooper faces steep competition in Cleveland's offense. I still think Coop obviously is the wide receiver one in Cleveland. But they have about a half a dozen receivers and David Njoku, who I think are very quality receivers, going to make the final 53 roster. Um, I think targets are going to be a little more distributed in that offense. Also, you got to keep in mind that Nick Chubb is one of the bell cow backs in the league. He's going to be yeah. fed 17 plus rushes a game. So that's my reasoning. Might contradict myself in a mock draft or two. Um, but right now, I'm starting Calvin Ridley. I'm sitting Chris Olave and I'm trading the veteran Amari Cooper. I see. I, I think I agree with you. I, I, you know, I'm an Amari Cooper guy though. So I think I'd sneak him in over Olave, but yeah, you laid it out perfectly. Calvin Ridley hasn't played in two years. Amari Cooper has Elijah Moore coming to the offense, a run heavy offense. And we didn't see him really get it done with Deshaun Watson last year. And Chris Olave is coming off a rookie season. So like, what do we really know about these guys? It's hard to tell right now. The thing is, Derek Derek Carr Derek Carr can hyper target someone. I mean, Devontae Adams led the league with 180 targets last year. I'm not saying Chris Olave is going to see 10 plus targets a game, but um, he's still going to be the lead receiver, and that's a quality position being when Derek Carr is your provider. Definitely, each of these guys could uh, push for that start spot there. So I chose Olave and a wide receiver trio, and I'm just going to spin it around to you. Start, sit, trade, Devontae Smith, T. Higgins, and Chris Olave. All of them are going in in that order in ADP. Smitty, the 12th, Higgins, 13th, Olave, 14th. And their finishes, Devontae Smith finished as a top 10 receiver. Higgins, wide receiver, 17 while missing some time. And Olave, just outside the top 24 as a wide receiver, 25, his rookie year. Start, sit, trade. I'm going to start Olave sit Smith and trade Higgins. And that one wow. I don't think is nearly as difficult. I'm not a big Higgins guy. I, I don't like that the that Jamar Chase is going to eat first. There are Tyler Boyd is a great receiving option too. Like I know we talk about T. Higgins and Jamar Chase, but Tyler Boyd has been getting it done for years before either of them were even in Cincinnati. Um, we don't know the situation with Joe Mixon. I know that the Bengals do like to run the ball. They like to have somewhat of a balanced offense. Um so, yeah, and Devontae Smith last year, he was to finish the season and through playoffs, he performed at a higher rate than A.J. Brown. So he had like eight plus targets in every game the last yeah. 10 weeks. I don't remember all the stats regarding it. I mean, I don't I didn't know I was getting asked this question, but, yeah, I remember Devontae Smith was outperforming A.J. Brown and then Chris Olave. We highlighted it in the last start sit trade. Um, we could see a ridiculous amount of targets for him in this offense, especially if Michael Thomas doesn't play football ever again. That trio 
I I throw my hands up in the air over them. I'm probably starting T Higgins just because he's linked to Joe Burrow and he's performed like a wide receiver one when actually healthy. Uh, I I understand he's a wide receiver two in his offense, but he's still a very good fantasy option, even as a second option. I think him and Devontae Smith are very similar. They're underneath uh, elite wide receiver ones, but they're still probably top 15 receivers in the league. Um, Yeah, I don't know what I'd do. I like that question. I do, because I, the more I think about it, the harder it gets. But I like Devontae Smith, and I like Chris Olave more right now. I'm going to spin it around. Let's talk about some running backs again. I have – wow, I didn't realize this. Almost the exact same one as you asked me earlier. I have J.K. Dobbins, Aaron Jones, Ken Walker. So uh, J.K. instead of ETN, um, I'm starting Ken Walker – I'm sitting Aaron Jones, Jones, and I'm cutting or trading away J.K. Dobbins just because I think the first two are definitely more reliable um, to warrant the the volume. I think J.K. could see a monstrous season, but oh man, this is this is hard. J.K. was really efficient when he was given the opportunities. However, I feel like Baltimore's offense is going to open up a little bit. And I don't like how Lamar Jackson steals away a lot of opportunities inside the red zone. Really good playmaker himself. JK is not a receiving back. Neither is Ken Walker. Um, but I think Ken Walker was one of the most, he, he was one of the most elite red zone backs last year. Even with Zach Charbonnet coming to town, he's going to see 15 plus touches. And that's probably going to be enough to get you uh, 13 points per week. Um, RB1 slot. And AJ 33 is my dog, man. I can't trade him yes. away. I'm the opposite of you here, though. I'm, I'm starting to see what I what I look out here is Aaron Jones and Ken Walker had good starts. And then they fell off towards the end of the season, whether it be due to injury, which primarily it was and difficult matchups. J.K. Dobbins, on the other hand, finished really strong. I think that this is an indicator to how they'll perform next season. Look at Aaron Jones's offense. Rookie quarterback could see a slump. A.J. Dillon's there. You look at Ken Walker's offense. Will Geno Smith produce again at the level he did? And will Zach Charbonnet not hurt him enough to take him out of this debate that we're having right here? J.K. Dobbins, on the other hand, is going to hold that number one role in an offense that we expect to improve a lot. And he did it to end the season. So, all right, you got you got me you got you got me shuffling a little bit. I'm going to trade AJ 33. I'm going to keep J.K. on my bench because. You'll agree with me that J.K. has the highest ceiling out of that trio. Yeah, I do. And we we got to keep that on our roster if we want to go for a title. You know, we, we we can't be keeping these uh, fringe RB ones on our team with low upside just because we think they're safer. We got to shoot for the stars, man. Mm-hmm. All right, um, I have two more. I'm gonna ask you the running back one first. Start, sit, trade. Jameer Gibbs the rookie, Joe Mixon, the veteran, and DeAndre Swift, Gibbs's replacement. Gibbs is, uh, the ADPs I found fascinating here. Gibbs is going the highest as the RB15. I think that might be a little too high, personally. Um, Joe Mixon going as the RB17. I think that's a little too low. And then DeAndre Swift is going as the RB22, which is definitely too low, in my opinion. Let me stop you right there. Okay. So I have one that is Swift, Gibbs, and Stevenson. Let's just put Stevenson and Mixon into the Swift and Gibbs debate oh, and we just rank them because 
I don't want to do this again. <laughs> all right. All right. Gig, g- rank Gibbs, Mixon, Swift, and Ramondre. All right. I, I'm putting Stevenson at the top, then Gibbs, then Mixon, and then Swift. I don't like what I've seen from Swift over the past two seasons. He can't stay on the field. He goes to Philly with Rashad Penny, with Jalen Hurts. I know that there's tons of opportunity in that op- offense to score touchdowns, but we see Kenneth Gainwell and Boston Scott score touchdowns there all the time. We see Jalen Hurts run from 30 yards out on a QB sneak that he somehow takes to the house. Um, I'm scared of what Swift can do. I like the upside for Gibbs here. I think that in Detroit, he's going to be an absolute monster. He's going to fill into that Swift role. I think that Stevenson is my favorite here just because he kind of has that backfield to his own. I know that there's talk of Ty Montgomery taking over the third down role, which I just do not trust. Uh, Ty Montgomery is like 30 something now. I'm, I'm not high on him. I don't think that he's going to hurt Stevenson. They brought in James Robinson as well. Don't That's forget. That's true. But, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if James Robinson, James Robinson isn't on a team to start the season. I, I, I also wouldn't be surprised if James Robinson churns out like a stupid 15 touchdown season like uh, yeah. Damien Harris did the other year. It could happen. I think for me, Gibbs is the fourth out of the the four i'm ranking him the lowest just because nobody shares a backfield with david montgomery but him in this uh quad of running backs so i think he's got the lowest upside also uh the lowest floor just because you i detroit's going to use both running backs but you also don't know how that split's going to shape up so gibbs is going to be fourth for me i think Oh man, I think uh Ramondre's third for me, really. Even though, yeah, I agree, he's probably gonna be a PPR monster again. Um, still don't like him as much as Joe and DeAndre Swift. I actually am gonna rank Joe Mixon first. I know you hate Joe, however, old reliable. I've always I always hate Joe Mixon, but he always ends up on my team. Why? Because he's a bell cow back, he's gonna score double-digit touchdowns in Cincinnati's offense. He's still the RB1. They didn't, they didn't really find a replacement for him at all like we thought they would in the draft. He's not going to get cut. He runs no, no risk of that. They took a six-round draft capital on a rookie this year, Chase Brown. Um, so I don't think he faces stiff competition. Joe's my top guy. DeAndre Swift is my second guy. Um, Stevenson, third. Jameer Gibbs, fourth. Love Swift's upside. I could see... All I, I could see any of these guys finishing at the top of this quad, though. They they all have some unique perspective about them and their offense that could warrant the top selection. We almost ranked them completely opposite. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, OK, disclaimer, we are going through divisions for the next month and we're going to statistically project each offense. And so once I get those numbers Oh, that's going to be my rankings. Um, so this could shake up a little bit. Do you um, have one more? I have one more. It's a receiver start-sit trade. All right, start-sit trade. Deontay Johnson, Brandon Cooks, or Marquise Brown. They're all early eighth-round picks. Let's hear it. Cooks. Deontay Johnson, Brandon Cooks, Marquise Brown. Um, starting Hollywood, obviously. I mean, he's he, in my opinion, that's a no-brainer. He is the wide receiver one 
in Arizona without DeAndre Hopkins there. He was a top five wideout before he suffered a foot injury. And then DeAndre Hopkins came back the week after. So Hollywood's easily my one. Don't care who his quarterback is. He's still going to be a, a target hog in that offense. Um, sitting, sitting Deontay Johnson. He, he saw 147 targets last year. Targets are sticky. I mean, he, he's still a PPR monster. He's going to score more than zero touchdowns this year. And then I'm, I'm trading away Brandon cooks. I just think he's going to have a harder time outdoing Michael Gallup for the wide receiver two spot. Um, then becoming more um, becoming a top 24 receiver this year. I agree with you on trading cooks. It, it gets murky for me with Johnson and Marquise Brown. Uh, I mean, Deontay Johnson, no touchdowns last season and Marquise Brown was hurt. Um, we don't know Kyler, what Kyler's status will be heading into the season right now. And we're expecting the Steelers to be a little bit better for me. It's a really, it's more of a toss up than it seemed like it was for you between Brown and Johnson right now. All right, I got one uh, middle ground receivers like you just asked me. Start, sit, trade, Drake London, Mike Evans, and Brandon Ayuk. I love this one because I feel like Drake London, I've been seeing uh, like Derek Brown from Fantasy Pros had him ranked inside the top 16 wideouts this year. I've seen a couple other big name analysts have him. I feel like there's way too much hype surrounding Drake London. So start, sit, trade, London, Evans, and Ayuk. I'm going to start Brandon Ayuk, sit Drake London, and trade Mike Evans. Mike Evans to me is just he's falling, man. I, I'm much more much higher on Chris Godwin in that offense. I don't really trust what Mike Evans is going to bring to the table with Baker as his quarterback or Kyle Trask, whichever one it ends up being. Um, Brandon Ayuk, if it's Brock Purdy, I think that he has a lot of upside in this offense. I think he'd probably be a safer bet than Devo Samuel. And Drake London is going to hold that. What's his competition aside from a tight end? It's Olamide Zacchaeus. Is he still on the Falcons? Yeah, sure. Um, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have no clue. Exactly. Yeah, so Drake London's definitely on my roster. I'm on the bench. I'd love to be able to put him in at some he, point. He had a over a 30% target share in the last month of football with Desmond Ritter as a starting quarterback. So I can kind of understand the hype behind him. I'll probably answer that the same way. However, I'm just going to say Evans and Ayuk are being underdrafted right now. Evans is going as a wide receiver 30, Ayuk as a wide receiver 32. I would love either of those as my third receiver on any fantasy team. Let's get into some trivia. Yeah. My favorite segment. You want to go first or you want me to? Start it off. All right. Let's see how this is going to go. It was a down season for quarterbacks last year. Only five QBs averaged over 20 points per game in 2022. This is eight less than there were in 2021. Can you name the five QBs that averaged over 20 points this year? So Patty Mahomes, Jalen Hurts. Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, and the fifth one's where I was stumped. Um, it's not Lamar, is it? No. Or Kyler? No. Okay. 
Um, Justin Fields missed two games, so I'm going with him. It was Justin Fields. He was awesome back to average over 20 points. Why does um, this matter? Yeah, I, I I have a question here. Does this trend make you more inclined to spend a high draft capital pick on a QB? Yes, actually. Like I, I've been hawking Jalen Hurts in the early fourth to late third. I think the positional ad, or the positional advantage those top four quarterbacks bring can't really be made up uh, easily throughout the rest of your fantasy lineup. I think grabbing an elite quarterback is going to be a more uh, it's it's a higher success rate. They're a lot safer. It's a lot easier to predict the top four quarterbacks. I, th- I think everybody's going to agree that Mahomes, Hertz, Allen, and Burrow are the elite of the elite. And so I want one of those guys on my team if they're going to be averaging five points per game more than the average starting quarterback. I'm willing to get a plus five in the QB column if it means that I lose a point and a half as my RB two um, going from say DeAndre Swift to James Conner or something like that. See, I'm a little more averse to thinking that this is a trend that's going to continue. There were 13 guys in 2021 to average over 20 points. And last year there were only five. If you look at the guys who had down years this year, who would be taken out of that 13 that was in 2021, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson. And then there's also guys that we expect to improve a lot like T-Law, Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray. And that those are just some names that I have listed here that I would expect to hit that 20 point per game mark. The league is much more pass heavy than it was five years ago, 10 years ago, even more so. I think that last year was just a fluke. And I think that you can snag a guy like Lamar or Justin Herbert later than Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, of course, and they'll pay off almost as well. And you're getting them two to three rounds later. To me, so we're talking about round four or five range for these elite quarterbacks. The hit rate on running backs in that zone is pretty much 50-50. I mean, I had some whiffs in that area. J.K. Dobbins and Elijah Mitchell were my two running backs selected in those rounds. So I'd rather have a surefire thing and take some shots in the darks at my running back and wide receiver position than um, go streaming, I think. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's a good one. All right. Uh, I I teased you with this one earlier. Since 2015, 16 running backs have finished their rookie campaign as top 12 backs in fantasy. Two of them were undrafted rookie free agents. Who were they? Didn't you ask me this and tell me the answer, but I forget it now. I didn't tell you the answer. Oh, you didn't? You you may or may not have predicted the one name, one of the names already, um, but I didn't confirm nor deny that that player was right. James Robinson. James Robinson. Yep. He, he, he was one. Can you name the other? Ramondre. Nope. Um, Ramondre was uh, day two draft capital, but it was Philip Lindsay. Do you remember? Oh, oh yeah, Philip Lindsay. All right, yep. Den- Denver's Denver turmoil running back yeah. situation that year. He took over. Okay. Philip Lindsay was the second. Now, why does this matter? You may ask. There's do- really no <laughs> there. There's really no undrafted rookie free agent running backs that are going to make an impact. You could see Ronnie Brown or Sean Tucker, who was an All-American for Illinois. Both of them went to the Tampa Bay Bucks. Rashad White was a very ineffective runner last year. So 
I wouldn't be surprised if either of those Brown or Tucker begins to make a name for themselves this rookie year. I'm not expecting them to be anything fancy, but I do think a couple late round running backs are worth mentioning. Uh, Chase Brown already said his name with the Bengals. Deuce Vaughn with Dallas, Tank Bigsby in Jacksonville. Um, The latter two could have standalone value if they emerge as the RB2s in their offense. Deuce Vaughn could become what Tony Pollard was to Zeke, and uh, Tank Bigsby could be utilized to lighten the load off of Travis Etienne. But I think all three are primarily elite handcuffs and great offenses, so if you need to fill some depth, those three might be good options. Yeah, I think another, I think this one's being one of the most underrated right now, and I can't pronounce his name. Uh, Jets rookie. It's it's a very long oh, from name. Prince. Yeah, um, from Pittsburgh. Yes, I I, yep. I can't say his name though. I have no idea how to pronounce it, and I can't remember it right now. But nope. sorry, Prince. With Brees Hall, you know, coming into the season post ACL tear there could be a role for him in this offense. I know Zonovan Knight's there, but I think that the rookie could beat out Zonovan Knight. I wasn't really impressed with him when Hull was out. This could have been complete BS, but I got a notification on my phone saying Dalvin Cook only wants to play for either the Buffalo Bills or the New York Jets this year. I would hate if he goes to either of them. Um, but I'd like the Bills. I'd like the Bills. Yeah, but he'd be I would I'd feel bad for his younger brother. <laughs> Man, nah, that'd be awesome. I get I give him sympathy, man. <laughs> All right. Let me give you my next trivia. Yep. Only four running backs have had 340 plus carries at age 28 or older. Matt Forte, Adrian Peterson, DeMarco Murray, and LaShawn McCoy. They all saw a decrease of 106 or more touches in the following season. What running back could fit this mold heading into 2023? Derrick Henry. Yeah, so Derrick Henry hasn't hit that decrease of 106 or more touches yet, but there is there should there be a concern that it could happen this season? I know people want to predict Derrick Henry's downfall. Um, he averaged 19 points per game last year in PPR formats and only missed one game. So he hasn't shown that he is slowing down by any means. Not at all. He, he was an excellent running back last year. He had the most 20-plus point games out of any fantasy running back. However, I think um, a lot of people are preying on his downfall and trying to predict it. And I think it just makes more and more sense every year we return and see he's getting this absurd amount of carries. Eventually, something's got to go, man. And I'm just going to say Tennessee's offense is going to be a bottom three unit. Could could challenge everybody for being the worst offense in the league. Um, So he's not someone that I'm drafting. I'll put it that way. Yeah, he had 382 touches last year. I don't think that this is the year he falls off, but I do think that we could see the start of it this season. I think that he may average somewhere closer to 17 points per game, less touchdown upside. The offensive line got worse. He's getting older, has the foot injury. Can we trust Tannehill and Traylon Burks to take some pressure off of him? I'm not sure. I don't think he's going to have a bad year this year. He'll still be an RB1, barring any injuries. But I think that this year could be the year that we see somewhat of an indication that it's coming to the end. I'll say that they're going to be really run heavy last year. You may say that their line got worse. Um, did they lose Taylor Lewan this off season? Is that the change? I know, I know they added Andre Dillard 
and they took a first round selection with Peter Skoronsky. So it might not be all doomy gloomy for Derrick Henry. Still think he's going to be in a top 12 running back, but less upside for sure. Why don't you go ahead and ask you our next trivia? Okay. Ready for this one? Only one team since 2014 has had three players with 900 plus receiving yards in the same season. Hint, notice how I said players, not receivers. Oh, and all three players are still playing for the same team. What is the trio? Repeat the statistic again. Three players with 900 plus receiving yards in the same season for the same team. One of them's not one of them's not a receiver. I'll just give you that. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler. Yes. Hey, let's go. Awesome. Hey, <laughs> no, this one surprised me. This one that surprised me. Yeah. I figured uh Cincinnati's trio probably did it, but Tyler Boyd's been just short each of the past two seasons. Also thought Kansas City could have done it with a third wheel to Kelsey or Tyreek Hill over the years. And Teams that I think could accomplish this in 2023. San Francisco, they have CMC, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel. Cincinnati can do it, obviously, as long as if their three receivers stay healthy and uh, share, then they should be able to get there. Philadelphia with a healthy Goddard. He was well on pace to join A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith last year. And the Chargers, obviously. Their trio did it before. Plus, they have Quentin Johnston. Which I'll ask you this. Which team with a new rookie is more likely to accomplish this with three 900-plus yard receivers on a team? Seattle with DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, or Minnesota with Justin Jefferson, TJ Hawkinson, and Jordan Addison? I'm going to say Minnesota. I trust Kirk Cousins' ability to provide three 900-yard seasons more so than I do Geno Smith's. even though I think that Jackson Smith and Jigba, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf would be the more capable players because we don't know what um, Jordan Addison really looks like yet. We know Justin Jefferson can do. We don't know if he'll take all of the target share. I don't think that he will. I think Addison will fit in there nicely. And TJ Hawkinson's a tight end. So I could see the debate to, to say that Seattle has a better opportunity to do so, but I'm going to put my faith in Kirk Cousins and say that the Vikings would be the team to do that. The reason why I like this one, because it illustrates how rare it is for a receiving core to have three significant contributors. Plenty of groups are deep with talent, but that oversaturation yields to less individual contributions. Um, The elite offenses are immune to it, like Philadelphia, Cincinnati, Cincinnati, Cincinnati. Uh, I think they're immune to any sort of handicap on individual performance just because they're so high powered. However, I think there's some offenses that might fall victim to this oversaturation. Look at the teams with four options that I listed off the Chargers, the 49ers. Um, There might be too many mouths to feed to for three of them to eclipse that 900 yard mark. I'm going to move on to my next question here. Uh, This running back was drafted as the RB 65 yet finished as the RB20. He has been in the league for some time. He sits at the RB41 range right now. His backfield mate is being drafted ahead of him despite this subject running back finishing higher than him in 2022. Who is, is it? This, is this a Jarek McKinnon 
It is Jarek McKinnon. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah. Pacheco finished as the RB 37 last season. He's currently going as the RB 23. And then you look at Jarek McKinnon who finished as the RB 65 la- or was drafted as the RB 65 last year, finished as the RB 20 now being drafted as the RB 41. So he's being drafted behind Isaiah Pacheco yet finished higher than him last season. Um, I'm wondering why this is so low. Is Pacheco really that guy? I know that towards the end of the season, he got the majority of the work, but McKinnon still managed to catch nine receiving touchdowns in 2022. And he seemed to be the go-to guy in that area of the field. For me, it looks like McKinnon has a lot more upside than what Pacheco has just based on the receiving work and the red zone usage. I know Pacheco is going to be the between the twenties kind of guy, but how valuable is that in the chiefs offense? I'm going to say this could, we could see touchdown regression from Jarek McKinnon nine is a very high figure for a running back. Um, I, I don't think that Mark will be hit again. Now you could argue that Jarek McKinnon wasn't signed. Like Kansas city didn't bring him back initially. They let him walk in free agency and it took about a a month into free agency for them to re-sign McKinnon. So there might not be a strong incentive to bring that piece back to the offense I just think Isaiah McKinnon, or excuse me, Isaiah Pacheco is a phenomenal back. He was, you said this a couple of times now, you extrapolate his back half of the season to a full season, and he's a nearly a 1,400 yard rusher and approaching 10 rushing touchdowns. So Pacheco definitely deserves to be drafted over McKinnon. I think there is much more upside for Pacheco because of the higher volume. And I, I, I don't know. McKinnon is underrated, I think. I think he can finish as a top 36 back, but I'm not willing to even throw him in the tier below Isaiah Pacheco. See, I I think Pacheco's just getting a little too much hype right now. He's going as an RB2, granted a low-end RB2. I, I think that McKinnon just has the upside that Pacheco doesn't have. I don't know if they like Pacheco in the red zone. We didn't see it. We know it's the Chiefs. We know they don't trust rookies that much, so maybe it's it was more of a get to know the offense better before we can put you in this role. I'm not sure. Really, I don't want a piece of the backfield here. I just thought it was interesting. The The disparity is, is massive between McKinnon and Pacheco, yet P- McKinnon outperformed Pacheco. So could be could be a value come draft day. I got uh, two more, but I'll give this one briefly because it only focuses on one player. First round tight ends over the last decade. Tyler Eifert, Eric Ebron. O.J. Howard, Evan Ingram, David, or David Njoku, Hayden Hurst, T.J. Hawkinson, Noah Fant, Kyle Pitts. That's nine total. Is their average finish their rookie year A, the tight end 10, B, tight end 15, C, tight end 20, or D, tight end 25? 20. 25. 25. Wow. Yep. Only two of them have finished as top 15 tight ends their rookie year. So you might want to stay away from Dalton Kincaid. I I get it. He has a lot of upside. If he becomes the starting slot receiver for Buffalo, then money signs all around. However, don't set your expectations too high for that guy. Who were the two to finish top 15? It was, I'm guessing, Kyle Pitts and Pitts and Evan Ingram. Ingram finishes at five. Okay. That's a good season. You got one more? I do have one more for you. This wide receiver finished as the wide receiver 40 with 9.8 points per game. 
he played the fourth most snaps of all wide receivers. He returns to the same team he was on last year, and his QB's outlook last season was hard to predict. Who am I? So wide receiver 40, 9.8 points per game, but he was he played the fourth most snaps out of all wide receivers in the league. Drake London? I don't know. It's not. It is Donovan Peoples-Jones. Oh, I was surprised to see that he was that high up in just being on the field, especially in what seems to be a run-first offense. Right now, he's going as the wide receiver 56. We expect this offense to be improved, but does Elijah Moore hurt his outlook in any sort of way? Does DPJ remain that second option? Does Deshaun Watson take a jump? I know Amari Cooper and Nick Chubb are there. There's a lot of questions regarding him right now. I would say Elijah Moore is probably more talented. And so I'd rather have Elijah Moore. And um, you throw on Cedric Tillman, David Njoku, and targets are going to be sparse for DPJ. His ADOT's very deep. He's a vertical threat, very streaky receiver. However, I, I don't think it's a receiver I'm drafting this year. See, I, I do agree his his... I mean, his A dot does make him interesting. DP, he could see a role as the team's field stretcher with Amari Cooper and Elijah Moore operating in those intermediate routes. Um, 14 yards per reception last year and three touchdowns. The majority of his production came with Jacoby Brissett. However, in Watson's return in those six games, the first three, he scored 13.4, 19.4, and 13.1 points. The last three were all under 10 points per game. So a good start with Deshaun and then a rough finish. I think there's a little more upside to DPJ than we're admitting. I I know Elijah Moore's now there. I don't know what he means to that team yet. I think that if DPJ stays in this range at wide receiver 56, he's worth a a late round flyer. I got one that we're going to end on, and I like that we're ending on this one. Only two running backs have finished as a top 12 back in each of the past three seasons. Really, it's just a war of attrition. Think of who suffered a serious injury during that time. One is in the AFC. One is in the NFC. Who are they? Um, give me a hint. <laughs> I'm struggling. One running back is in the AFC. <laughs> one is in the NFC. No more hints. We've mentioned both players this episode. One running back in the NFC, one running back in the NFC. Come on, clock's ticking. What's that? Derrick Henry. No, he got he got hurt two years ago. Repeat it again. I'm 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 struggling really hard right now. Two running backs, top twelve backs each of the past three seasons. One AFC guy, one NFC guy. It was the past three seasons. Okay, that's what got me. All right, it's um, Dalvin Cook in the NFC. And? I, that's all I'm right? Okay, all right. No, uh, you're, not, you're not right. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know. Nothing? I'm stuck, man. I'm stuck. All right, so you're in the right division. Aaron Jones. Okay. All right. was the NFC guy and Nick Chubb was the AFC guy. And this, this is my Ted talk for the day. Injuries happen to everybody. There mm-hmm. are some guys that struggle to stay on the field. 
But unless if you're Rashad Penny, who's missed half of his career, throw it out the window. Look at Saquon Barkley, Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, all suffered significant injuries recently and returned to RB1 territory the year after, or last year even. Be fearless. Don't shy away from Jonathan Taylor, Brees Hall, Javante Williams, J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift, because of injury concerns. They have as good a chance of tearing their knee out as any running back or even you or I going down the stairs. We formulated risk rankings last year, if you recall, and the two biggest concerns, Christian McCaffrey and Derrick Henry, were a whole lot safer than the two safest in Javante Williams and uh, Jonathan Taylor. So throw those injuries out the window. You think about Aaron Jones and Nick Chubb, they have injury risk. We say they're injury prone, but they're still, they've been the most consistent running backs each of the past three seasons. I also think that, with those two guys, their roles are pretty solidified in their offenses. So even if they are to miss time, they're going to continue to maintain work. But I do agree. Um, you, you can't bet on injury. I wouldn't look at CMC. Everybody was scared to CMC this year and he was back to CMC. So anything can happen with these guys that we deem injury prone. That's just a term we like to throw out there. Just we, we use that when we just don't like a guy. We're like, oh, this guy's injury prone. I don't like him. Yeah, I, I, I'm done discounting players because they have an injury history. I'm, I'm over that, just valuing players based off of their role in offenses. Is that the pod? That's the pod. All right. 